Hello and welcome to another takeover episode of It's Okay to Feel, a NAMI OC podcast. My name is Roxana Akbari. And my name is Miriam Tarek. And we're your takeover hosts for today. Thank you so much for joining us. This unique takeover episode is a feature of the NAMI OC Media Masterclass, which teaches teens and young adults ages 16 to 24 the basics of podcasting and growing our social media presence. Takeover episodes feature Media Masterclass students like ourselves who hope to start our own podcasts. It's Okay to Feel is for informational, educational, and or entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical or psychiatric advice, diagnosis, or treatment. It's Okay to Feel is funded by the Orange County Healthcare Agency, OCHCA, Behavioral Health Services, Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security, CARES Act, In today's episode, Roxana and I are going to be talking about how we navigated communication in our relationships, as well as self-care and personal growth during the COVID-19 pandemic. Before we get started, we'd like to introduce ourselves. My name is Miriam, and I'm 24 years old from Irvine, California, currently living at home with my family, which includes my parents, younger brother, and whichever cousin of mine is visiting at the moment. This past year, I've been working in politics and community organizing in Irvine and dream to make institutional change to our country. Thank you for that introduction, Miriam. And my name is Roxana Akbari, and I'm 22 years old from Mission Viejo, California. I also work in politics and community organizing, and I'm currently spending my second gap year before law school living with my parents, younger sister, and two adorable dogs. What brings me joy in life is building meaningful relationships, empowering those around me, and working to create a more compassionate and just world. So, you know, as Miriam mentioned earlier, today we want to talk about how we've navigated communication in our relationships as well as self-care and personal growth during the pandemic. And to get us started, um, I first wanted to ask Miriam, what was it like for you when the pandemic first started? How did you feel? Wow, the beginning of the pandemic seems like a lifetime ago now. Uh, I remember feeling a lot of excitement in the beginning because it was just this crazy phenomenon that was the first ever to be experienced by our generation as a globe. And I thought that it was really cool. (laughs) Not... uh, Cool how, but cool how. Yeah, I just thought that you know it really showed how we could come together as a country and as a globe to shut down things, change how we do things, and Mm -hmm. and that gave me hope that maybe that's something we could do um, in other avenues when it came to our healthcare system and systemic racism. There, there's just so much that needs to be done and seeing a global pandemic shut down everything and change our way of life um, gave me hope that that's something that we could do with these other issues. Yeah, it's really interesting you mentioned that because I think in a lot of places around the world, and especially in the United States, so much of 
how we did change our lifestyles has been up to personal responsibility and each and every one of us taking action. So you're absolutely right that like it was really amazing to see um, that sort of like collective action and what it can do. But, you know, as that was, I don't know, like eight, nine months ago, it's now that we're recording this, it's December 15th. So we've been in this thing for a lot longer than we expected. Um, I think I've personally also been amazed at um, how much collective action can continue things going not so great, um, even if we have the power to do things differently. So it's certainly powerful. I agree with you on that. Yes. And I will state that the excitement just lasted the first two weeks where I, you know, saw this change and it slowly came to the realization as the pandemic dragged on that, yes, our country was not exactly taking the right measures necessary for the safety of everyone involved. And a lot of that fell on personal responsibility, um, which has always been the issue uh, in the beginning when it comes to these uh, systemic problems is uh, taking accountability for our actions. And I think that's something I learned during this pandemic and, and how I could make those changes and um, and that's what I saw in the community around me too. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious, like, what are, what are some of the things you were doing in the, in those first two weeks, at least during that initial period of excitement? Yeah, I would say that those first two weeks and, and maybe even the first month before things, we really buckled down. A lot of it was spent with my family and I was the main enforcer for COVID safety guidelines. A lot of the information that we were getting um, came from sources uh, from where I was working and just my own research and, and my friends around me. Roxana, you also were helpful in, in how serious we needed to take this pandemic and, and what we could do. And so while everyone was scavenging for toilet paper, my family and I, we were looking for Lysol wipes, which were also um, off the shelves and, and having discussions on what we would be doing together, whether it be social distancing and wearing a mask or just hunkering down and and not going out uh, to see anyone. Mm -hmm. So it took a lot of open communication. Um, how about for you? Yeah. So I think for me, um, my, my initial feelings towards the situation were very much the opposite of excitement. Um, I was at a point in my life where I had sort of just finished hunkering down for a long time to study for the LSAT, which is the law school admissions test. So basically, since I graduated from college the previous spring until a month and a half before the pandemic came to the United States, I was already at home studying with very little social life. And um, I was during that brief period of time, I was so excited to, you know, finally start seeing my friends again and start doing things for fun. And I had all these plans that I would, um, you know, be adventurous, go travel Europe and do all these fun things during the um, other half of my gap year at that time, though I ended up taking another one, which is where I'm at right now. But I was really angry and disappointed. I was like, how could this be happening? No way. No way this is happening to me. And um, I think I was experiencing a lot of denial and also powerlessness because 
I'm also a very extroverted person and I, or at least at that point, I considered myself one. I'm not so sure anymore now that we've spent so much time inside. Um, but I was like, how am I going to survive during this time? I get my energy from going to social gatherings, from going to concerts, from just being in the street, walking around and seeing other people. How am I going to do this? This is not going to work. Um, and at the same time, at the, like during that time, I was sort of ready for a change and to leave my hometown, but that was like not going to be possible anymore. So I was really pissed about that. Yeah, that does sound frustrating. And being as I was there inviting you out to multiple things while you were in that LSAT mode, I was disappointed as well because a lot of our plans were with each other. So um, I'm looking forward to the day this pandemic ends so we can restart those plans. But I'm also grateful for the opportunities that we created during the pandemic with each other and um, this being one of them. So Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, absolutely. It definitely did change our way of life and I'm looking forward to sharing how it did. So I'd love to hear about you. I know you said you were feeling that anger in the beginning, like how did you transition from that throughout the pandemic? Yeah. So I think the biggest part was that um, it took me a really long time to accept the new reality. Um, And part of that was because I was always the type of person who thought that external circumstances were the determinant of how I was feeling in that moment. It was like, if I move out of my hometown and go live in a really exciting city, I'm going to be happy. Or if I'm going out with my friends and doing all these fun, exciting new things, I'll be happy. And um, the pandemic sort of showed me that, you know, it's important to create joy for myself in the moment. And part of it was like, I had no choice because this thing went on for so much longer than any of us could have anticipated. But I will say like the biggest thing and the initial, the initial thing to figure out, um, while I was, you know, regardless of the feelings I was experiencing, as you mentioned with your own family, was figuring out how we were going to keep ourselves safe. Um, And it really brought a new perspective to social interactions for me because, you know, we went to a place, from a place of being not so aware of how our many social interactions are impacting the world around us to being hyper aware about how every single person we come in contact with, how close we are with them, whether we're wearing a mask, whether they're wearing a mask, how often each of us are washing our hands and all of that can potentially put one of us or our loved ones or the general community in danger. So it was a really awkward, novel, and uncomfortable way of starting to look at social interactions. I think that's a great way to put it because really those questions weren't even a part of our mental processes when making plans. And now as you were talking about keeping your family safe, and I mentioned that for me, I was the main enforcer. I had to help hold my family accountable and myself and the people around me. So we did decide that we would be going out and 
meeting other people while using strict guidelines of six feet apart and wearing our masks. But that's a difficult conversation to have with your friends and family when they're not listening or don't take the issue as seriously as I did. Um, Yeah. And that was tough. Yeah, no. And I think, you know, that, that all goes back to how like, um, this was a very novel, difficult experience we all had to go through and everyone's thoughts and feelings and their safety needs. And I guess also their lifestyle is so different. So it's, it was a big challenge for me navigating all of this, both in terms of figuring out what I wanted and what I needed and also respecting my family's needs while continuing to keep in touch with people outside of my house that I cared about. Yeah, how was it for you? I know both your parents are healthcare providers, so it must have been a little, like you mentioned, there was a big difference between how our households were coordinating this pandemic. Yeah, so I think, you know, my parents in general, like like you said, well, first of all, they are healthcare providers, so they're a lot more aware about um, like public health guidelines and the nature of viral diseases than I am. But at the same time, they're just generally more anxious, precautious people than I am in life. So they were quick to hunker down and ask me and my younger sister to not go anywhere, not see anyone. Um, and, you know, we're very much enforcing every single guideline very strictly within our household. And while I understood that that was correct, because I was still experiencing denial and refusing to deal with the uncomfortable feelings that this new change had brought for me, I was feeling extremely overwhelmed and um, sort of like they were being intrusive for you know, if I was like going out on a walk, they would tell me like, oh, like, where did you wear your mask? How often did you sanitize your hands? Go throw your clothes in the washer and take a shower before you come sit in the living room. And I was like, whoa, like this is, this is a lot. And, um, it was just, it was just really difficult to adjust to at first. Um, but like, I, I know that they were correct. And over time I definitely came to, um, see things their way. And like, I, I love and respect them so much. And the most important thing to me is their safety, especially because my mom has um, some breathing problems. So, so many of the decisions I made during this time was to make sure that she stays safe and healthy at the end of it all. Yeah. And I know you mentioned, and like, from what I'm hearing right now, a lot of it was powerlessness of not being able to control the situation around you. And so how were you able to take that power back and, and make those decisions for yourself? Yeah. So, you know, before I answer that question, I think uh, something that's important, like context to provide for why I was um, feeling the way I was, or at least like an important part of the equation was that um, at the same time that my parents were acting this way, and um, this this is this was their interpretation of how to adapt to this new reality. Um, not too long before the pandemic came to the U.S., I had just started dating someone new, and once once this thing hit, I kind of realized that he had a very different way of adapting to this than my family. And by that, I mean that he sort of decided that he wanted to continue living his normal life and he was going to take some of the um, 
like primary precautions, but he was still going to socialize um, and like indoors and unmasked with his like close friends and family members, which was concerning to me because I was immediately making these calculations in my head where it's like, but who are they seeing? And at the end of the day, I, I realized that all of like my, my response to this situation, this, this tendency to want to please everyone around me was something that I had even before the pandemic. I am not proud to say that I in the past used to be the type of person who would want to keep everyone around me happy, avoid conflict. And the price I would pay for that was to stay silent and suck it up when a boundary was violated or even not take the time to define what my boundaries were when it came to social interactions and relationships. So this was really triggering that issue and hitting it right at the core. Um, And I think the reason why it took me a while to figure it out was aside from the novelty of the pandemic, just how I had to completely deprogram myself as a people pleaser. And so I think the longer I cling to the idea of pleasing both parties, as you said, the longer I avoided figuring out my own boundaries and what I needed to feel physically and emotionally safe during this time. Um, And so there had to be some like some things happen that were like tough wake up calls for me where I realized this is not working anymore and it's just not sustainable. Yeah, I can definitely see how that would come about. And I'd love to hear like what that moment was for you, if you'd feel comfortable sharing. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I will say like, um, again, like in, in the very beginning, the, the sequence of events went so that I, was trying really hard to communicate to the guy I was dating that, um, you know, these are my family's boundaries and I live with them. So I have to respect that. And also my mom is pretty immunocompromised. So I have to be extra careful because of her. I understand your need to maintain as much of your normal life as you can, but like, I hope we can figure out a compromise in between because as things are going, I don't feel safe. And Um, unfortunately it seems like, or at least it seemed like I, that energy and that desire to compromise, to make things work, wasn't necessarily reciprocated. And, um, my mindset was, okay, well, this will end, the pandemic will end. So we can like resume dating, like the normal young adult dating situation, um, in a, like shortly. So let me just try to keep this going. Maybe we can keep this going, you know, virtually it's okay for not seeing each other, but this will be over soon. So it'll be all good, but that was not the case. And as we realized that this was going on and on, I remember there was this one time that, um, you know, I think it had been about like a month and a half, two months since I had seen him in person at that point. And he invited me to hang out. I was feeling a lot of anxiety and cognitive dissonance in terms of like, I want to see him. I want to keep this relationship going, but I also feel unsafe. And I feel like I'm, I would be betraying my parents if I, you know, did this thing that I knew they weren't safe with. Um, and I just rationalized it to myself. I was like, you know what? It's fine. He's been safe. He's saying he's been safe and you need to trust that. Um, and you know, so (laughs) what I ended up doing is we had plans. I remember, um, I, showered, got ready, was dressed and ready to leave. But when it was time to leave, 
I like felt paralyzed. I could not bring myself to leave the house. And I was like, I remember I was like looking at my phone. I was like, oh my God, like, is it too, like, is it really terrible of me to cancel right now? No, I can't cancel. And there was like all this rationalizing going in my head. It was like, well, it's probably fine if I go. And then the other part of me was like, no, it's really unsafe. If something bad happens to your parents, it's going to be your fault. And it was just crazy because, um, yeah, I was like so overwhelmed with my internal dialogue and, Eventually, I ended up having to cancel because I realized that I physically could not bring myself to leave the house at that point. And I felt this really painful wake-up call after that experience because I re- realized that I felt really out of tune mentally and physically. And that whole time while I was getting ready to leave the house, I was ignoring this like feeling of sickness to my stomach that had been building up and sacrificing my basic needs to keep peace and avoid uncomfortable feelings but it was like exploding from a different direction so after this experience I sort of realized it's time to do something differently I need to take better care of myself and figure out what my boundaries actually are wow no that sounds like a very enlightening moment to be in and I'm sure it was very uncomfortable but you know sitting here I've never got that big moment where I realized that I needed that change in myself it was a lot of small gradual moments and so hearing this experience uh, it shows that you you really it can get to that point where you need to choose and and in those moments like you need to choose yourself because that at the end of the day, you are the one who is going to be there for you. And so how, how was that? Like, how did you move forward after that moment? Yeah, well, I think, you know, this really pushed me to stop neglecting some of the mental health and self-care things that I knew I should have been doing this whole time because I, I am a very anxious person and I did go to therapy for anxiety for a while Um, And I learned some really helpful strategies in therapy, but I was not doing them on a daily basis because I thought I didn't need them. But this was like, you know, it's time I really start digging deep and taking better care of myself because I was in pain, you know, it was like miserable sitting with myself. And I felt like I was disappointing the people around me and I was unlovable because I was so indecisive and you know, so I, at that point, decided to incorporate some um, self-care strategies back into my routine. Um, that included journaling every day. Um, I have this giant Google Doc where I've been journaling for the last like three, four years. And I like it because I can go back and read how I was feeling at certain times in my life. And it, it really helps me detect patterns in my emotional states. Um, So I started doing that on a daily basis again. I reincorporated meditation back into my routine. Um, I really like this YouTube channel. I believe it's called The Mindful Movement, and they have a diverse set of um, guided audio meditations for different purposes, and I really like them because it's very simple and easy to access. So I started doing at least one meditation every day, which really helped me better connect with how my body was feeling and what was going on in my head. And it it felt really nice. I not only felt relaxed, but also was able to feel more in tune with myself, which allowed me to over time 
figure out what I wanted in this situation. And aside from that, I think talking to my close friends was really helpful during this time. Um, I, you know, even though I was struggling to identify my boundaries with my parents and with the guy I was dating, I will say I'm very lucky that I have very compassionate, like-minded friends who are like, we're all really great at communicating openly and they know me really well, you included. Um, and I think some of those conversations I had when I was going on long walks and giving you a call and just like ranting about how I was feeling really helped me figure out um, what I felt safe with over time and what I needed to be able to adapt and accept the new reality we were placed in. Yes, I would. I will definitely include you among my top <laughs> tier. Just having someone like you and like with our community of friends that you are able to talk openly with and, and discuss your boundaries and, and have that comfort. I'm so grateful that I have that because really when you're in these tough situations and like your situation, you were torn between a rock and a hard place. Like, and when it's with outsiders as well, like this was someone that you were newly dating, I can definitely see that there's discomfort in bringing up these big topics and, and uh, your feelings and making yourself emotionally vulnerable. And that's something that I don't worry about when it comes to talking to you and my other close friends, because we have that mutual love and understanding. And um, I think that's something that I really had to find um, comfort in and, and take support from. And mm -hmm. I hope that I was able to do that for you as well. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm really, I'm really glad you say that. I think that's a really beautiful way to put it in terms of the type of relationship we have and the other close friendships that we've been able to create is like, I don't think that having open, vulnerable communication is very routine in our society. Um, and a lot of times, you know, like, I think this pandemic really just pushed us. It's like, we had to have these conversations because it was a matter of literal physical safety to ask the people around you, like, hey, are you wearing, like, are you wearing a mask when you go outside? Because if you're not, you could be putting my life in danger. Um, yeah, so it was just, it was definitely um, pushed us. I think we had to do that with mm -hmm. other situations too that maybe we weren't so comfortable being vulnerable with. And, um, you know, I, I feel like we've been talking a lot about me and my situation. I wanted to ask you, like, um, you know, how did you navigate some of your communication experiences and were there any moments of difficulty for you? Yeah, I, I will say that First of all, thank you for sharing your experience. And I love hearing you. So uh, <laughs> definitely not. I hope everyone listening as well, like was able to see like Roxana has always been emotionally vulnerable and authentic and, and her assertiveness has inspired my own. And so really for me in the beginning, like I said, there was excitement, but after that died down, it was a lot of boredom and being stuck 
with myself, a lot of our time with my family was spent um, me alone in my room, like my parents alone, like doing their thing. Um, like we all had our escapes and it was tough for me to, to sit with myself and, and realize like why I was feeling this discomfort. And so that was a big reason why I decided to um, open our family and, and hold each other accountable for social distancing guidelines. But a lot of it was I needed that interaction in order to kind of escape from myself uh, in mm. the beginning, at least. And, and that led to some tough conversations with my friends about, uh, hey, like, let's wear our masks when we're together, even if we're outdoors and over six feet apart, because I, as a civil servant, cannot, uh, like I, my conscience wouldn't let me, um, take these shortcuts when it came to social distancing and guidelines and COVID safety guidelines, because I knew we all needed to do our part in order to stop the spread. And I couldn't be holding other people accountable and, and judging them for, for being anti-maskers or being out in the world, um, not believing in the pandemic. If I couldn't even talk to my close friends about hey, this is important to me and it's important for our community that we we follow these guidelines. And so mm -hmm. there was a lot of fear before that conversation about how it would be received. And, and a lot of that was just built in my head of like, oh, like, how's this going to come across? But mm -hmm. like I said, <laughs> me and my friends, like we all value open communication. It's something that we believe in in order to have a true relationship, like an authentic relationship where you can come to each other with your fears and your um, sadness and your anger. And so, yeah. I decided to bite the bullet and have the conversation and it went really well. <laughs> so I was just sitting there like, wow, this is a lot scarier before you do it um, than in the moment. And that was mm -hmm. my learning moment. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. And like the experience that you're, you're sharing right now, this was like a specific instance right and like mm -hmm. how how did your friend respond when you shared your boundaries with them yeah my friend was was extremely caring and was like of course and you know it wasn't that she was intentionally not wearing her mask it was just she hadn't gotten used to the idea that this was just our new normal. Mm -hmm. And so in those situations, I think it's on each other to hold each other accountable. Um, and so I was able to be that person for her and be like, hey, this is just our new life now. And we can't forget to wear our masks because uh, it affects everyone around us. And and we have no idea how long this pandemic is going to last, but if we're going to be hanging out and if we want to keep our life moving the way we want it to with social interaction, these are just some changes we're going to have to make and, and get used to. So I, it was really well received. And, and after that, it was not a problem and it was just an open doorway now because not only had we talked about how much we value open communication but we were having it with each other on on important issues in our life mm 
Yeah, that that's really great. I'm glad your friend was understanding. And um, going back to what you mentioned about building up the situation to be a lot scarier than it actually was um, when you you told your friend how you were feeling and what your boundaries were, I can definitely relate to that because I think especially um, in the situation I was dealing with with my parents and with the guy I was dating, I feel like with my my parents, we haven't always been successful at communicating in the most vulnerable way possible. And I think that after I was able to, over time, center myself and connect better with myself, I came to gather the courage to be a lot more honest with them. You know, like, of course, I, I just to sort of clarify on where I ended up with my boundaries, I decided that I agreed with them and I would much rather be safe and I have them feel safe during this time so we can survive and then, if possible, resume normal life at some point. Um, but I, you know, like whenever, like now that we were stuck together at home and the concept of like a life outside with friends or me time was changing a lot and we were all just like, in the same space 24-7 and working from home and all that, I think I had to sometimes come and tell them, hey, I'm feeling really sad today, so I'm just going to go in my room and cry. I hope that's okay. Like, please, if you if you can, like, don't come into my room for the next hour, but I'll see y'all later. Um, or like, hey, you know, if when you said this and that to me, it felt a little hurtful because it brought up this and that insecurity I have. So, you know, like, I'm sorry if this is awkward, but like, this is just how I feel. And just like having to say those things. And I will say like, it got easier over time because like the first of these conversations that I was having, I remember I would be like in my room rehearsing them, like doing deep breathing exercises before I spoke my mind. And um, I think it just all made me so aware of like how difficult it has been for me to speak up for myself throughout my life, but like how empowering it is to do so um, and how much it brings connection with the right people who already love you, you know? And like, I will say that if, you know, at this point, how I feel is that if I'm gonna state my basic safety needs to someone or like what I need from the people I'm living with or the people I'm close with and, um, they are to not respect that, I will reevaluate um, how valuable that relationship is to me, which is what I ended up doing with that dating relationship. Surprise. <laughs> I think, um, <clears throat> you know, I, once I came to a place where I was like, you know, I know I've been trying to avoid these uncomfortable feelings. I know I didn't want my life to be this way during my gap year before law school, but here we are and I have to adapt to survive. So, that includes being safe. And I remember I decided to do my own research on the public health guidelines and determine what was anxiety and overreaction versus what was a legitimate response to a public health crisis we were going through. And I think ultimately, when I realized that, hey, I, I agree with, you know, being very cautious, it's, it's a matter of also feeling emotionally safe um, for someone I care about to validate that and at least be like, Hey, I understand where you're coming from is the bare minimum to me. And, um, when in that relationship, we were not able to come to a middle ground and 
he was not really, you know, willing to come to a place of compromise. And because it was like a matter of safety, I decided that this just was not right for me. And if me being rejected for just saying, hey, I want to keep my mom safe during a global pandemic, would you Mm -hmm. mind like, I don't know, hanging out with two of your close friends instead of five of them? Um, and they tell me no, then maybe um, it's just not right for me. So yeah. (laughs) Yes, I totally agree. And I think that you bring up a beautiful point of these conversations started as safety, like physical safety and, and our boundaries when it came to that. But it sounds like it quickly changed into what you are comfortable with and what your personal boundaries are. And if you are not heard and respected in those conversations, then really you should reevaluate that relationship because it needs to be a two-way street. And I think that's something I took for granted before thinking, oh, everyone in your life wants to be there for you and listen to you and make sure you are felt you feel heard and are safe, but that's not the case. And I'm really glad that you were able to have those conversations with your partner. And and I'm sad that that was the outcome, but I, I think that it was really amazing that you were able to take those steps because it was the difficult decision for you. Yeah, it it definitely was. And I think now looking back on it, I think my insistence on clinging on to that relationship and making things work was again, in line with my denial that we're in a pandemic and life has changed because I was trying to cling on to the last remnants of my normal life as a 22 year old. And that was just, you know, something that had changed now and that was okay. So I think coming to that acceptance was a big, big part of me being able to make that decision. And it was definitely not easy. Like there were so many moments of me like rehearsing conversations and beating myself up for, you know, having these needs and like feeling guilty for, you know, asking him to do certain things. But it was like, at the end of the day, I was like, you know, this is for my safety. And, you know, that's just not something I can sacrifice. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm glad that things ended up the way they did. And I will share more later about like how I think this has changed my perspective in general on relationships and my relationship with myself but before I do that, I, I wanted to ask you, um, were there any any strategies you implemented or any things you did to take care of yourself during this time and to increase your courage to speak up for yourself in some of these awkward conversations? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. And I think it started off a lot of taking that time and channeling that boredom into mindfulness. And it was keeping myself busy in work and also using tips and tricks that um, had been brought into my life through uh, my cousin, Yasmin, who who, uh, also works at NAMI. uh, And so learning how to really self-reflect 
was the first step and sitting in that discomfort and recognizing what I didn't want because in order to find out my boundaries, the first step was like recognizing, oh, I didn't like that and I don't want to to happen again. And so how do I move forward from here? And so that's how I was able to change that narrative and and really um, think of how do I go about making sure I get what I do want. And so a lot of it was conversations with you and other people in my life about, um, okay, this is what I'm doing. Like, this is what I'm trying to do. Like, please hold me accountable because if you don't, then, you know, that fear is going to build up and I won't be able to take the necessary steps. And um, it, in conclusion, it led to, I just recently started therapy and have been so grateful to have that space where I can be held accountable and discuss what's happening in my head and and what my goals are for my future and how I can achieve those goals. Awesome. I'm so proud of you for starting therapy. I know that's a big step, just just getting yourself through the doors of a therapist's office, or I guess in this case, getting on a Zoom call with a therapist (laughs) is a big step. And I think once you um you know start, then it's it's a lot like it's very nice to just keep going because Mm -hmm. um you know, it's, it's just so beneficial. And I'm curious, are there any specific techniques and it's, it's okay if there aren't, if you can't think of any, but any, anything you did to self-reflect like a specific process you can share with us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say one of them is definitely journaling, as you mentioned, but a big one for me was this exercise that's called stinking thinking, Um, and, uh, it was, it walks you through, basically you have one thought in your head that consistently comes up, like whether it's your insecurity, like whether, um, it's about your nose or about your confidence. And, and for me, it was that I had never felt deeply about things like I have, um, I've been blessed and I've never had depression, um, but that was something I saw and I thought, oh, is there something wrong with me that I can't create this deep attachment and and feel this um, strongly about like issues in my life? And um, we were able to break it down to my where these thoughts came up and what in what situations they would come up in and then also what would I be yearning for in those moments? And and what would I be scared of at the core? Like what was driving that fear? And it for me, it was, there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And my yearning was that no one understands me or like I can't connect to other people in the same way because I've never experienced this. And so that whole process, and I encourage everyone to look it up and and ask themselves those questions because at the end of it we were able to see that how that like how that thought how we can channel it into something productive and and what we can tell ourselves instead and affirm ourselves and and for me it was I'm really grateful that I've never experienced depression and anxiety, but I still have empathy in those moments and it doesn't make me lesser for having those experiences or, or not having, um, that background, but, uh, 
but it is something that I need to work on through continuous self-reflection and and knowing that just because these experiences don't last with me the same way doesn't mean I'm not experiencing these emotions. It's just I process differently. And so what can I do to to keep processing? Um, and so that's why therapy um, has been so great for me because I'm able to talk about issues and 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 um and process with with a licensed therapist um, who's able to be like, okay, like these are your goals. Like this is how we're staying on track. Whereas before I was like, oh, well, I'm just talking to my friends about this and Mm -hmm. I'm good now. And, and, you know, it was, it was that same love and comfort, but now it's like, I'm getting that validation from someone who, who knows what they're doing. So, Mm yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for walking us through that. And I think that's definitely a really powerful experience of self-reflection. And um, I'm again, I'm really glad you're in therapy. I I tell this to everyone in my life, my parents, my sister. I'm like, we should all be in therapy. It's so good for everyone, no matter what you're going through. And yes. um, I will admit that currently I only have a talk space therapist. Um through work because it's provided, but I did used to go to formal therapy for a few years. And, um, at this point I feel like though I really miss that and I hope to pick that back up someday, I have a lot of like really great techniques that work for me on a day-to-day basis. Um, so I feel like it's pretty sufficient for me to like message my talk space therapist. Cause it's primarily done through chatting, but like I can send her a long paragraph or a voice recording about how I'm feeling late at night and then she'll respond the next morning as soon as she sees it. So it's kind of like texting a friend, (laughs) but it's, it's been pretty valuable for me too, to have. Yeah. I think that's something I've seen, like take a random sampling of all my friends and we're all going through it right now. It is really (laughs) tough to sit at home and and be with your thoughts and and figure out what what really is bothering you and I've seen the challenges that my community has faced because of this pandemic and um, the challenges I've faced that Roxana has faced and it really gives me hope for our future because we are all working on ourselves and taking those steps and that's why I think everyone should go to therapy like whether you have depression anxiety or or have never felt those things like, like I, well, I wouldn't say I haven't felt anxiety, but, Mm -hmm. um, but it's just such an important step to take for yourself and your personal growth to, to move forward and really um, delve into your, yourself, because at the end of the day, like, you're the one who's with you 100% of the time. So Absolutely. And I want to highlight something I do. I don't really think this is like a formal, I don't know if it has like a name or anything, but um, I, at least this is something I've gotten into the habit of doing now, which is a result of that conflict I was facing um, pretty early on in the pandemic, like being um, stuck between two opposite places. Um, And how I kind of go about things right now, and I've just gotten into the habit of this, is that let's say I'm in a virtual work meeting or having dinner with my family and someone says something that 
for, for whatever reason, like, I don't know, like I suddenly feel sick to my stomach or I feel tense and it's like, oh my God, what, what happened? You know? And it's not always easy to figure out exactly where that came from, but I've gotten into the habit of taking a moment to step aside, like take a few deep breaths and kind of engage in some talk, like dialogue with myself to ask, okay, what's going on? Like, first of all, let's identify where this feeling is physically located. And then what could this be triggering? Um, What are you maybe making this experience mean for you? And what can, you know, like, first of all, is that true? The, The meaning you're applying to that experience right now? If it is true, what can you do to resolve it? And if it's not true, um, what can you do to manage this feeling or like sit with it and let it pass? And I think it's it's really an amazing thing that I've gotten in the habit of doing because it's like goes above and beyond just the pandemic, but definitely still applies to the pandemic. Like I think like there was a situation where an old friend reached out to me and wanted to hang out and I, you know, would have loved to catch up with them, but they were insisting on hanging out in person. And I was like, you know, I would love to see you, but, um, I, you know, cases are going up and I know you've been out and about a little bit. So like, is it okay for us to, you know, FaceTime? And they were kind of like disregarding that a little bit and being like, oh, well, I think you're overreacting. And I like start to feel tense in my body. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is overwhelming, but I'm going to take a moment and then like work through this feeling before I respond and then reaffirm my boundaries with this person. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's something that I do. Yeah, no, I think that's a great way to kind of reflect because those moments do pop up of discomfort and and trusting your gut and your heart and your soul and your brain with what mm-hmm. they're telling you about what you're feeling in that moment and and taking that time it it does help ground you a little is that your has that been your experience totally yeah and i think it it's definitely a muscle that i think gets stronger over time i won't lie and say that it's easy ever but i think one really big thing that I've learned from all of this and my initial denial of the pandemic is that no matter what choices we make in a, in a situation where things aren't ideal, we're going to be trading one uncomfortable feeling for another. So is it going to be me potentially losing a dating relationship or me sitting with immense guilt and self-hatred for potentially exposing my family to coronavirus. And it's like, we kind of have to choose our uncomfortable feelings, see what's worth it to us, see what we're willing to sit with. And um, I think that kind of applies to a lot of things in life, or at least that's that's something that I will, a question I will ask myself in like situations where I'm feeling indecisive or you know, wanting to avoid an uncomfortable feeling in the future too. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And it's definitely necessary in this day and age. And I'll say that, yeah, that's one thing I I do see about the pandemic is it opened in me this 
journey, which wouldn't have happened in the hustle and bustle of of my regular daily life because there are just so many distractions. And while this is an experience I've felt before, I don't think I was open to exploring myself the way I was during this moment in this pandemic because uh, I... it's tough. It's tough to have those conversations with yourself and, and to hold yourself accountable and, and feel that discomfort. And while I was more than willing to put myself in physically uh, uncomfortable positions, like trying new things like paragliding, it wasn't the same as sitting with myself and exploring what's inside me and, and how do I make my goals happen because I have big goals and aspirations, but I I can't reach those until I feel that confidence in myself to to get myself there. So it's yeah. definitely been a journey. Yeah, good. Well, I hope that you're able to continue this journey even if and when the pandemic is over. Hopefully it's more of a when, especially since at this point there seems to be some promising developments with the vaccine. But I think how I see how I see this time and the changes it's created in my life is I think the pandemic it was a it was like a really overwhelming stressor that came into my life and while I was initially blaming it for some of the uncomfortable feelings and experiences I was having it really brought to surface issues that were already there my people-pleasing tendencies, my neglect of my self-care and anxiety, difficulty speaking up for myself, difficulty being vulnerable in my some of my close relationships, and um, also, you know, larger systemic issues in our society. Mm-hmm. And I want to acknowledge, like, I will say that, um, you know, I am grateful that my family and I have been safe during this time, that we've had food and shelter, and I know that there are many people going through much more difficult challenges and I send them all the all my love and I truly hope that you all get relief during this time but um hopefully sooner rather than later but I think we all have a lot of lessons to learn from this time and I hope we don't forget them after the pandemic Yes, I want to second what Roxana was saying and and really recognize my privilege and being able to have a home and and family and not have been facing any financial difficulty during this time and i think that that's w- why i fight so hard for the people around me um within my like community organizing roles because i have the privilege to put a spotlight on the issues that we are facing as a country and um i really consider it my duty to to hold myself and my community accountable when it comes to uh, taking care of our essential workers and and uh, our small businesses and and doing my part. And so, while uh, self care has been a big journey for me during this pandemic, like it was not self-care alone, but it was that collective action that I saw from my community coming together uh, around Black Lives Matter and and other issues uh, that gave me the hope to keep going. And when this pandemic is over, 
uh, I'm going, that's something that we're still going to keep fighting for because uh, it, it takes a community. It takes a village. So I was, um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's so fascinating how maybe before this year, um, a lot of us didn't really pay attention to how much our day-to-day behaviors impact our larger community. And it's really, this pandemic has shown us, like, it's not just myself that I'm living for. Everything I do, the example I set, the way I um, the, the precautions I take, it, it really impacts the world around me. And we can sort of see some of the good and bad outcomes of that at this mm-hmm. point in the pandemic. And um, I think like one thing I wanted to check in now, like, and ask you is how are you feeling today? What's, what's your emotional state at this point on December 15th, 2020? <laughs> that is a great question. I think Today, I am feeling nervous about this podcast and (laughs) also just excited because this is the sort of pushing myself outside of my comfort zone that I've been looking forward to. And while a lot of other things might be in disarray in this moment, sitting here and and having this conversation with Roxana, um, it's, it's been great to really feel that journey come to fruition. Um, and I hope I wasn't too, uh, scattered brained in my, uh, thoughts, but I hope you all, uh, enjoyed. (laughs) Yeah, no, you were great. Um, you sharing your experiences were absolutely amazing. And I think like, I will say for me, um, at this point, my mental state is also really trying to be present and take things one day at a time, which is something I've actually learned from you. I feel like that's something you say a lot, like you like to take things one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there are some days where I feel hopeful, other times that I feel cynical, especially um, when I see people my age on Instagram posting about them being at parties and I'm like, oh my God, when are we ever going to get out of this thing? And then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, that's valid. My my um, anger and disappointment is valid, but I'm just going to try to work on controlling what I can control. And that is how can I create a joyful experience for myself today? So um, I've been trying to really make my day-to-day like more meaningful and joyful. Um, I've been trying to spend a lot more time with my dogs, which, you know, so easy because they're always begging for attention. Um, I, I try to treat myself to something yummy every day. I'm definitely a big foodie and it definitely brings a lot of joy into my life. And I've also been trying to fill up my time with, um, like sources of media, whether that be books, podcasts, movies, TV shows that, bring me a lot of joy and like inspire me. And I think, um, you know, I no longer, I no longer wonder when we're going to get out of this thing because that's just not something I have the power of predicting. I'm hopeful, but I'm cautiously optimistic and that's okay because I feel like I'm, I've started to really enjoy the small things in life instead of, thinking that my happiness depended on me going on some big adventurous trip in Europe, you know? Yeah, no, I love what you're saying. And, and I love that you shared the one day at a time, because the way I view life is 
we face problem after problem and like life is what happens in spite of those problems and those great memories we make while we go on walks together, Roxana, while having our hour long phone calls and, and having, sending TikToks to each other as well. Like (laughs) that, that excitement um, and those happy memories that I'm making within the pandemic, within all this um, uncertainty is, is what keeps me going. And I'm grateful for friends like you, and I'm grateful for uh, the collective action that people are taking and like people who have been, you know, holding themselves accountable um, are doing because it really is like one person making a difference in their community, but it's all of us together making those changes um, that make that difference. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing I want to share also before I forget is I think how much of a role Miriam has played in my journey of like being able to feel confident and speaking up for myself. And like, I will tell you all a story, which is that um, a while ago we were planning on doing like a super safe road trip to Arizona with the two of us. Like we were just planning on going to an Airbnb and doing some hiking and all that, but we still wanted to take like a lot of precautions. And I think I was definitely a lot more anxious and demanding than she was in terms of the precautions I wanted us both to be taking. And I felt a little bit like I was asking for too much because that's just habit in my head. Um, feeling like, you know, me asking for her to like, you know, get tested and things like that. I, I, at first I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm asking for way too much. Like I'm being disruptive to her life. Oh no. Never. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, I think, um, you know, like the way she was so validating throughout that whole trip and the way we were planning it. I mean, you know, we had, we had agreed to get tested. That was like a no brainer before the trip. But I, my mom had told me that to, have a test that is fully effective there. It needs to, you know, the the incubation period for the virus sometimes takes like, I forget if it was seven to 10 days or 10 to 14 days. Don't quote me on this. Look at, um, you know, public health guidelines before determining this for yourself. But, um, so I was like, wait, so it's not enough if we get tested right before. So we need to be cautious the week or so before as well. And this was like, oh no, so I'm going to have to ask Miriam to like wear a mask for a week before like around anyone she sees and like, um, you know, maybe do things a little bit differently. And I think even though it was, you know, me building it up in my head to be this big deal, when we had that conversation, as we were navigating our thoughts and feelings and our anxieties, even till the day of the trip, because the test results actually took a lot longer to come back than we expected. So it was the day of the trip we were supposed to be leaving and we were still refreshing that page for the test results. And I remember I was anxious. I was debating on if I should, we should just cancel. And um, so we being able to navigate all that and really be myself with my anxiety and with my doubts and worries and have her listen and be compassionate and, you know, validate me was just like such an amazing experience. It was so empowering. And like having been friends with someone like Mariam or being friends with someone like <laughs> You're not being, getting rid of me. <laughs> being friends with someone like Mariam and like having the sort of open 
conversations that we have, I think really shows me that it's possible to be myself and also like be loved. And um, that's just like, it's not too much to ask for to want to be safe and feel respected. So thank you, Maryam. Wow. Thank you, Roxana. And and that's what I want to <laughs> say. Like, uh, wow, you just so perfectly shared like what I've been trying to express, which is, I think a part of my journey was figuring out, yeah, not everyone is going to give you that love and support, but but I can, and, and I can do that for the people around me, and I can do that for myself, and and really having those conversations illuminates the importance of real authentic relationships, um, and uh, I'm so grateful that we got to go on that trip. We had such a great time together, and I learned so much from Roxana too, because while I was able to listen to her, it showed me like how much strength she had in in sharing how important (laughs) all this was to her and that's something I'm really trying to channel in my relationships whether they're professional or um, personal and I think uh, that's what you can learn from each other and and when we grow ourselves we we teach each other as well. Absolutely yeah well I'm I'm glad that you learned something from my worries and anxiety (laughs) for planning that trip but it was definitely a fun trip and it was very safe you know we came back everything was fine um so I think you know I'm really grateful we were able to have that experience too and like I don't know I think um regardless of what happens with all of this and where we go next with the state of the world what challenges come up next and um you know, personal and societal. I just really hope that we can all work on continuing to be more authentically ourselves. And I know that for me, I don't want it any other way anymore. Like I just, now that I know it's how good it feels to speak up for myself and to be heard and respected um, in, you know, these, these types of awkward conversations, Mm -hmm. I want to keep having them, whether like Miriam was saying, it's at work or with my family and friends. And, um, I just think it not only helps me grow more and more into myself, but also, um, connect more with the people around me. So I look forward to continuing to push myself and Miriam, if the time comes that the pandemic is over and you see me no longer, um, implementing some of these mental health and self-care strategies. Hold me accountable, please. <laughs> yes, I will give you a smack and I will remind you that there's <laughs> what you remind me constantly, that there is no bigger advocate for yourself than you. And you really, it's not even about trusting other people. It's just trusting yourself to to shine and and do you and I think uh, we'll definitely keep holding both of ourselves accountable when it comes to these difficult things and I don't think we'll want to go back because I think exactly what you were saying is once you step into that discomfort and grow like you see that what you want to happen can happen and you can get those outcomes that that make you feel safe and loved and and, and why would we have it any other way? Totally. Yeah, this working through uncomfortable feelings and the discomfort, I think, is key to 
a lot of personal growth and um yeah i hope i hope we can continue pushing ourselves so Miriam, do you have any last thoughts for our listeners Mm, that is a good question. I would say my first big takeaway is to go to therapy because whether you think you need it or not, it can definitely help you decide uh, what you need um, and and it helps you achieve your goals. And that's one thing that I have really appreciated through this pandemic, this journey of self-reflection, and it's never too late to start. So if you didn't start this at the beginning of the pandemic, um, it's not too late. It's it's a journey and it you don't need a pandemic, but it definitely gave me some time to, to figure things out. And, and so go forth and, and learn yourselves. How about you, Roxana? I would like to end by telling our listeners that, first of all, no matter what you're experiencing or feeling at this moment, your feelings are valid and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. It's not too much to ask for to want to be respected, to feel safe, and to have the people that we're in in close relationships with um, validate those experiences for us. So try your best to sit with the uncomfortable feelings explore what they might mean, work through them, and you will come out on the other side a much stronger, more authentic version of yourself. And as Miriam was saying, therapy is a great way to have some assistance on navigating that path. So I really hope that us sharing our experiences was at least a little bit useful to you all. And I really thank you for sticking with us this far along if you are still here. Yes, definitely. Please find us and hold us accountable for starting our own podcast because it is something we're (laughs) looking forward to doing. But if you like the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find the show and it helps us share our message of mental wellness to people in our community. And if you want to hear more of It's Okay to Feel, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. So thank you and take care. (laughs) 